Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Doctor Strange and the, and the We Didn't Want to Pay Paul Bettany. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you look at some of these we do on this podcast? <laughs> on this podcast, we talk about games, but we also talk about movies and stuff. And obviously, we're going to talk about the latest Marvel movie. One of our big projects last year was re reviewing every single marvel's marvel movie right we created big huge rankings like people do for for star wars films except there are 28 marvel movies <laughs> um and uh and you know this is doctor strange doctor strange came out this weekend uh doctor strange in the multiverse of madness stars you know benedict cumberbatch coming back as doctor strange um the scarlet witch you know, uh, Elizabeth Olsen also, you know, features pretty heavily in this, in this, uh, you know, in this movie. It's directed by Sam Raimi, who famously did Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3. Uh, you know, what I would say also, as the... Well, uh, also what? Also like the Ash vs. the Evil Dead movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I just want to say Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3, which, you know, started in my estimation the the big comic book movie boom right um spider-man one two and three were all the biggest movies um kind of of their you know they set a million different box office records everybody went crazy for these these are the kind of like the genre de defining uh defining movies i come back to spider-man 2 and i talk about spider-man 2 all the time it feels like so you know this is where we're at is 28th marvel movie it is it is uh I guess Doctor Strange too. I don't know. What what do you have? Do you have thoughts on this one? What do you want to say? Well, let's do the the the, the pre pre spoiler evaluation. Sure. As viewers might uh, have suggested or might might have gleaned by the fact that we've named this episode the Multiverse of Badness. Um, I'm generally unfavorable on the movie. I thought it was fun from like purely a Sam Raimi like isms perspective. Um, I thought otherwise it was not great. I thought the story was not great. Um, I thought that it had it has issues with kind of like uh, its place in the MCU. Um, I, I saw one critic, um, uh, and by critic I mean it's Max Landis. I saw Max Landis describe it as "fuck you for caring," um, which I think has a little bit more legs if you watch the trailer. I hadn't watched the trailer before I watched it, so I didn't see some of the. Things like I didn't, I didn't get that, or that criticism makes more sense after having seen the trailer. I think. Uh, can can we'll you get... explain a little bit more about what he means? Caring about what? Um, so I think there's a, a a lot here, but like I think I think the the most acute example of it, and I think we can go into it more on the other side. But the most acute example, of, or I can't do it without going into spoilers. So. Oh okay. Um. Uh. So yeah, we'll discuss it on the other side of things. But, um, if you like Sam Raimi, I'd say it's worth a watch. If you're a completionist, I'd say it's worth a watch. Um, but I think it's got a lot of issues, and I am not very positive on it. Um, my my nuclear hot take is, and this this might this might get you mad at me, is I think this is um, the last Jedi of uh, of the Marvel movies. Whoa, really? Wow. Um, uh, I th so I, I, I think into that, I guess. I think specifically, just to, to to lay it out there, it has the same kind of. Um, 
does its own thing and doesn't respect the rest of the universe enough problems. I think they're a little bit different, but I think it's definitely there. I think it's definitely there. Okay. I think I maybe get that. I also think from, I could maybe craft an argument about the state of the fandom, right? Yeah. Um, which we can get, we can get into yeah, this, yeah. this stuff when it comes to swears. My overall reaction here is also very negative. I think it's the worst Marvel movie I've seen, uh, in quite a long time. Um, according to my own rankings where I put it, it is the worst Marvel movie I have seen since Avengers Endgame. So yeah, that pretty, makes pretty, sense. Pretty not great. Um, my thing with the movie though is, uh, you know, just that. Oh, God. At one point, it's inscrutable. Like, in one sense, it is. there is so much going on that it is just impossible to follow. It has the same sort of problem that I've described um, uh, the first cut of Batman v Superman to have, or Justice League to have, right? This, this narrative arthritis, where there's not enough, you know, kind of narrative cartilage between scenes and huge plot points, you know, kind of whiz by. Like, I'm in a Fast and the Furious movie, right? Like, it's just, like, <laughs> insane how fast, this, the, you know, some of this stuff um, some of this stuff plays out on screen, which left me kind of... Uh, I just sort of felt like I was, like, tumbling through through this story more than, you know, riding, riding going along for the, for the ride, if that makes sense. Um, and then I think that there's also just a lot of stuff wrong on a narrative, and especially thematic level. This is a remarkably empty Marvel movie, because I think most of them are um, and in fact, this is particularly painful because the thing that puts famously Doctor Strange is my third favorite. Mar it is Age of Ultron, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, right? I think that the first Doctor Strange is that good and I love it that much, right? So to, to, to really tumble off of this cliff where the movie just has basically nothing. Nothing to say, nothing on its mind. It does a, maybe to pardon the pun, it does a little magic trick where, you know, it kind of goes like, to like pretend that character growth happened, but, but like it didn't. That's not how this works. So, you know, that's that's mostly where I land being disappointed, uh, being disappointed with this, which I actually, I, I, which is one more thing that I do want to dwell on, I guess. Which is that the past round of Marvel movies have kind of all been a miss for me. Like, you know, Black Widow and Shang-Chi were kind of fine, right? But then you get then you get Eternals, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, and now Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And, uh, and I kind of feel like there are three bad movies in a row. Uh, which is kind of nuts. Oh, man. So that's, that's a good point. Like... Do I like this movie better or worse than Black Widow? Which was like my big cape shit moment. Like, oh, yeah, man, I mean, I didn't tough. even like Cap Black Widow. Black Widow is in my rankings, right? Black. So I have three. Let's let's call them categories. I have three essentially categories. One is Age of Ultron to Thor Ragnarok. These are what I would call the good Marvel movies. Then there's Black Widow to Avengers Infinity War. These are the fine Marvel movies. Well enough, you know. And then there's Spider Man No Way Home is at the top. And the first Captain America, Captain America, the first Avengers at the bottom of the bad Marvel movies category, right? Um, so, you know, weirdly enough, Black Widow is in my top half of Marvel movies, even though I just, I don't think it's really that good. It's just kind of whatever. Yeah, um, I, I think there's like a divide here between movies that are like, what I'm going to call like actively bad versus kind of like, you know, offensively generic 
maybe. Yeah. Um, and I want to say that this movie goes into the actively bad category. Um, maybe. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird because, like like I said, I like the Sam Raimi aspects of this movie, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think it's generally good that, like, you know, the that he was given enough control that he could do some stuff that, like, made it feel like a Sam Raimi movie, which is, I think, something that the Marvel Universe benefits from, right? Like, um, I think the best example of this is, is our, or best examples of these are James Gunn and Taiki Waititi. Um, I think do the best job of shining through as directors in the MCU. Um I think Sam Raimi shines through as a director here, but I don't think it meshes well with the rest of the MCU, which is part of, you know, my last Jedi take. Yeah, right? so the thing I want to say about that, and I do agree with this, right? You know, somebody tweeted out uh, that when Doctor Strange is a Marvel movie, it's it's very bad. And when Doctor Strange is a, a Sam Raimi movie, it's very good. And I very much agree with that sentiment. Just my problem is, is that 80% of the movie is a Marvel movie. Maybe like 20% is a Sam Raimi movie, right? Um, and crucially, so the big difference for me between um, Thor Ragnarok, um, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, Black Panther, some of these are tour-driven sorts of Marvel films, is that I get the sense that they these are not just directors, but also kind of overarching arching storytellers if that makes sense right like black panther is not just directed as a ryan coogler movie it is also like written and all all of the other intervening pieces also feel like a ryan coogler movie if that makes sense right whereas this i do think it is a sam raimi movie in its direction as in where the shots are what they're doing right but i don't think that it's written or structured or any of those other things None of that felt like a Sam Raimi movie. You, you know to what? It, me. You know what it feels like to me, almost, almost kind of like the inverse of Spider-Man Three, which is like the studio shoved in significant plot elements, and that kind of like like pulled Spider-Man Three down. This feels like Sam Raimi got to shove in some elements, right? Like without going into spoilers, there's some moments towards the end that I, that felt very Sam Raimi, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. like the whole kind of like Doctor Strange in the last act in the prime piece of the multiverse which i think is spoiler free enough like that thing people at home will, we'll talk about it on the other half but i that felt very sam raimi to me um yep. uh, whereas most of it did not um do, do we just want to put the spoiler warning here or did you want to say something else before? Sh- sure yeah yeah really, my, my last thing on this is that it actually weirdly feels like a tv show episode to me right which is to say that the real power is in the producer or the writers you know whoever is sort of dictating the 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 overarching plot structure right um and the director is just the guy hired to be on set for the day to point the actors and give them their motivations right um which is weird because I've always sort of felt like the Marvel movies felt like this, but it's typically in a reversed way, which is to say that the Marvel movies are kind of all doing their own thing. They're pretty loosely, you know, in continuity with one another and mostly focused on kind of their individual stories. Right. Um, but that, that the direction felt like TV direction to me. This is my big thing about the Russo brothers, right. Who obviously did the back to Avengers movie and, and Captain America civil war is that, and honestly, a lot of these other movies feel this way, is that they are lit like a television show, right? Which is to say, big blanket, you know, clear lighting. There isn't any, you know, contrast. There aren't any shadows ever. Um, 
And so we've kind of we've kind of done the flip side of this, right? Where we have a true film director doing true film things in a what is essentially a gigantic television show season, right? But that is stretching years and years and years, and each episode is installment is two hours long. Um, in terms of where the plot and the story is going. So I disagree with you slightly on that, but I can't go into it without the spoiler warning. So we're going to put okay, the spoiler yeah, warning here. Do spoilers here. Spoilers. If you'd like to see Doctor... Oh, also, did I, did I give a recommendation? My recommendation is do not see this in theaters, but if you want to watch it on Disney+, Plus, that's probably fine. I don't think it's worth a theater ticket, but I, you know, like, look, if you have Disney+, Plus and you have two and a half hours... Honestly, mercifully, it's a very short movie, so... I was kind of surprised at how short it felt compared to some of the slogs that that we have gotten in recent uh, in recent Marvel movies. But um, uh, yeah, that is that is my recommendation for this film. So I would generally agree. The only the only counterpoint I'd offer is you know we've, we've said we we enjoy the the Sam Raiminess of this movie when it happens. I think that comes across better in a theater. Like those the, like those filmic aspects are the things that are good and that's better seen in the theater. But I think. As like a general economic proposition, I would agree. Don't spend your money on a ticket. Watch it on Disney+. Plus. But here's a spoiler warning for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. If you would like to see it spoiler-free without spoilers, uh, which is what that spoiler-free means, um, stop here. I think we've given you enough time. Anyway, to go to your point about um, the producer was holding the reins, I feel like that was probably true for like the overarching points. But one of the things that stuck out at me was that this movie felt like... Sam Raimi didn't know a lot of the MCU fullness. And this particularly, I think, comes out with the way uh, Wanda is treated. It feels kind of like they sheared off the nuances that came through in WandaVision. Because um, they, they portrayed her mostly sympathetically in WandaVision. And she just kind of like, like wrote Lee evil um, very quickly into this movie, right? Like, obviously, she has some sympathetic things to her, but, like, you don't get, like, a sense of continuity. You just kind of get, like, you know... And now she's decided to go off the edge off screen, and that, like, you, you didn't see that happen, which feels wrong, if that makes sense. And maybe that's just kind of, like, a, you can't expect everybody to have watched a television series thing, but they didn't do enough, I, I think, to, like, establish what was happening there. I feel like if I hadn't watched WandaVision, I'd be like, what the fuck is Wanda talking about with these children? Um... Do you have a response to that or any thoughts? Absolutely. No, I 100% agree. And I this is the start of my quote-unquote narrative tumble, right? Because I I was so just sort of floored, both by the reveal, but, like, also how low-key and flippant it is, right? Like, it's not a real villain reveal. It's not a real twist. It happens pretty early. Doctor Strange goes and has a conversation with her, and she immediately says a thing and, like, reveals the desolate landscape. And then he starts talking to her as if she is the villain. But I'm sitting here like, what? What is going on? Is she the bad guy? Yeah. No. no like, yeah, it, th this can't possibly happen. And then it goes on further, right? She's a, she's attacking the thing. They're doing some other stuff. I'm still not on board with her being the bad guy. I'm just like, this is like, this is like you know, sort of bullshit the heroes fight one another, but they're going to join together, right? I was thinking maybe they're going to do something with Wanda's hex magic versus Doctor Strange kind of, uh, Doctor Strange sort of like order magic, right? This is this is a common thing that pops up where, you know, the Scarlet Witch is dealing with probabilities. She's dealing with entropy, right? So kind of the raw force of chaos in the universe. Whereas Doctor Strange and, you know, the Sorcerer Supreme and, and the people who train in that sort of 
set of things, right? Um, these are these are people who are dealing in what we might call order magic, right? And I was like, maybe it's something along those lines where we're going to have to find a little yin, a little yang, a little order, a little chaos in order to really help America Chavez kind of like get this balance, right? Um, and figure her shit out. Maybe. Maybe that's where it was going. She's attacking the place. I'm like, okay, you know, cool. I get it. Maybe this is the big fight scene. Doctor Strange and her are going to 1v1. And then eventually he's going to do something. Maybe he does something with the book and, and like, frees her from this mind control or whatever. And then she starts murdering people in that battle. And I was like, what? The, super, our, the superhero Scarlet Witch, superhero Wanda who is a fucking superhero, is now murdering people. Well, now she's absolutely the villain, right? Like, she's got to be just straight up the villain from here. And, like, you would think that at that point, I I have... I have fallen off the roller coaster and I'm tumbling in midair, but the roller coaster catches me. I'm on board, right? I get it. She's the villain now. Okay, rocky start, but we're sort of like... We're sort of there. We're sort of kind of like on board. But just because I was so lost in that moment, I like I never could get back into, you know, I could never really get back into the movie. I actually quite liked the opening of the movie. But from the moment that he went to go talk to Wanda and she was like, oh, I'm actually the bad guy. I was like completely out of it. I could not get I could not get back into this. I, I think I think I feel that as well. I, I think I think that's probably like 90 percent of, of what I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this. Um, part of it, like for me, I didn't realize that she was the villain until somebody mentioned that she was the one that sent the monsters. I was like, like in my head, I was like, oh, there's, you know, somebody sending the monsters and then she just also happens to want to capture her for her own reasons. And then like, I think either one of the Benedicts mentions, um, uh, that, uh, that she, that, that she sent the monsters and then she also doesn't send any more monsters at all. Right. Like that was like, it was so very plainly a you know uh benedict you know uh uh, the plot demands that we do it this way um and so we're going to do it this way instead of or you know the the plot demands that we have an excuse for this happening rather than it being woven into the narrative at any point there's a there's like a a handful of moments that i would call just kind of like sloppy storytelling that's one of them you know the one that really got me from just kind of like a, a raw storytelling perspective is when they like you know they go when they do their first hop right they go and literally stand on backstory buttons right like like you know dr strange trips over a backstory button and it's like i have tragic origins and then america chavez very you know stands on it and it's like i also have tragic backstory things that are easy to cut out for you know foreign audiences that don't like gay people which it, that that felt so transparent to me that uh, that also stuck stuck out to me like uh like a like a sore thumb um i also could i, I just couldn't help thinking um if uh whether or not they reshot the scenes where she was wearing the the LGBTQ pin, because like that, like I had thought that like maybe I I had seen it not be there in the shop. I didn't pay close enough attention. But that, I don't know. that is precisely the kind of thing that you edit out for China, right? right? Yeah, you can just cut that scene with her backstory. You don't have to deal with gay moms, right? You can just you can just VFX out that pin. Oh, nobody yeah, has yeah. to see it or whatever. Which is like. <sighs> I hate it. Whatever. Oh, yeah. God. Honestly, it is worse to me. Like, you know, I, I, I don't really think I have a place to preach as like a straight guy, obviously, but like, it is worse to me to make a movie where th- it is so easy to just cut it out as necessary. Right. 
that you just don't even have to deal you don't you don't even have to deal with it. Yeah, right? I mean, it's like, it's, it's why a, I hate that. I mean, it's also like obviously an important part of her character, right? Like she's wearing the pin for a reason, and they focus on yep. the, on her mom's for a reason, right? Like, you know, the our personal you know our, our personal identities aside, like that that's just like you know bad storytelling right like you know yeah this is also tough I, I i couldn't help but feel a little bit alienated from this just because america chavez is a character that i'm not familiar with right like i have this kind of archivist backstory in my head of so much mc like marvel canon stuff right but about the time that i fell off reading weekly comics just because i couldn't afford them anymore was sort of where around where America Chavez gets introduced, right? So this is a character that I also have sort of, like, no familiarity with. Um, and the Darkhold is also a little bit like this. Like, the Darkhold does technically exist, but my understanding is that it's a very minor thing, but it is much, it is a much more important plot thread now than it was, uh, you know, kind of back then. Um, so it's the kind of thing that, like, I remember it, as an item that exists, but like also I couldn't actually articulate anything that it was used for or how important it was, right? The the important thing about the Darkhold is that it is um uh the Necronomicon of the of the MC, of the Marvel universe, right? It is written by their version of Cthulhu, who I think is called Cthan or something. Um who is, you know, like an elder god on on Earth or whatever. It's this whole thing. Um and so that that also felt really weird to me. And I ended up looking it up later, and it actually has this whole really deep continuity in the MCU. Because I remember it from WandaVision, right? It is there in WandaVision. Agatha Harkness has it, and she's using it to kind of match, you know, Wanda's power as a witch. Um, but, uh, but I actually found out that it has a really long-running history going all the way through... Um, all the way through Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and even into the Runaways TV show. So this is something that has, you know, hit on four different moments in Marvel canon, right? Um, but really the time that I'm sort of introduced to it is here, and I, which is maybe the first time I've ever felt kind of continuity alienation, right? Which is that alienation of not having watched everything and just being like, who's that on screen? What's that on screen? Yeah, no, that, that makes that makes total sense. Um, yeah, no, I, I didn't I didn't realize that it had a, a past. Like you know, I, I obviously we'd seen Wandavision, but um, the uh, I I wasn't even sure that like Agents of Shield was like still like real canon anymore or whatnot. Like, uh, I think I think that's that's another problem with like kind of like the, the the MCU as as like a property is just that kind of like the canonicity of things is questionable, right? Like mm -hmm. you know. Um, you know, uh, Daredevil, obviously the same actor is playing um, the TV show uh, Daredevil as, as the MCU Daredevil. Um, not the, not the, it was Ben Affleck that played the, the first Daredevil, right? Yeah. 2003, uh, 2004. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, those the Netflix shows I think are like technically not canon anymore, or like you know. Honestly, the Incredible Hulk is technically not canon, which I didn't even learn about until way later. Even though characters obviously from the Incredible Hulk cross over, Tony Stark shows up in the in the end credit scene, uh, according to you know Man. dictates from on high. The Incredible Hulk is not a canon Marvel Cinematic Universe picture, which would make a certain amount of sense because it was distributed with Paramount. Um, but so were the first two Iron Man movies, right? You know, or maybe just the first one, you know. But who's who's going to say that Iron Man one is not canon? Yeah, to yeah, MCU, right. That's right? like yeah, they have to they have to hold. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean that that is interesting because like they've also kind of established that like you know, 
for the most part, the superheroes are the same actors across the multiverses. You know, like, I think some of the stuff that they set up in this movie is neat, but also, like, things I could have, like, read off of a page, basically, right? Like, I fully expect John Krasinski or whatever his name is to come back as, like, A. Reed Richards from not that universe. So, just just to, just because it, it occurs to me now, this, this is the point where we can pop into, like, fuck you for caring, right? A big yeah. moment in the trailer is Patrick Stewart being... Professor X, like, you know, in the trailer, right? And they kill him immediately. I think that that is, I think, the core of the Max Landis, you know, fuck you for caring thing, right? Like, you were invested in all of this, and, you know, Marvel is calling you stupid for caring about it, which is, I don't quite fully agree with that that thesis, but I understand where he's coming from. I definitely see... Oh, I do agree with that thesis, actually. But I, I agree with that thesis from a different perspective, which is Mordo, right? The... The final bit of Doctor Strange, right, the original Doctor Strange movie, is Baron Mordo going, you, Stephen Strange, are not worth, like, worthy of the Sorcerer's Supreme title, right? And I'm going to take it from you because, you know, he has this line about, like, the debt must always come due or whatever, right? Where he has this thing about people who are using magic in irresponsible ways, right? Um and that and that's that's the sequel hook, right? That's the sequel hook to Doctor Strange Two. When I, as a Doctor Strange fan, am signing up to see Doctor Strange Two, and I even see, you know, maybe maybe in a world where he doesn't show up, I'm even less pissed. But in like the trailers, I see him there. Okay, cool. Here's Baron Mordo. Here's this character that I know is supposed to show up, but no, it's not actually Baron Mordo. It's another alternate universe of Baron Mordo, and Doctor Strange just sort of waves off screen to say, oh, in my universe, Baron Mordo fucking hates me, but we don't get to see that. We don't get to interact with that at all, right? And it's like, that's the thing that bothers me, right? Like, that's where it feels like, fuck you for caring to to me, buddy, right? Which is even more ironic because I'm talking about being alienated from the, you know, the canon because it's it's pulling on this stuff with the Darkhold from WandaVision. It's pulling on, uh, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. lore or whatever. It's pulling on stuff from the comics that I'm not super familiar with, which is, a, which is a different feeling. I've never had that before, but that's fair enough, right? But to sort of simultaneously have this feeling of I kind of don't really I – have, I have shaky ground on what this is standing on continuity-wise. And then the continuity that I do care about to just be tossed aside – Right. Uh, actually, Baron Mordo's not that interesting. We don't give a fuck. You know, he, he. You know, sure, he's one of the most powerful casters. He's one of the most powerful casters in the world, and maybe Wanda. You know, also demonstrating that level of power as a caster is, you know, like is something. But no, that's not going to happen on screen. That's the, the, we don't we don't care about that. We're dealing with our we're dealing with our like multiverse bullshit. That that really did bother me. That got that got under my skin. Yeah, no, I mean, and I, I don't like I, I. So the reason I'm a little bit more hesitant on on that criticism because that makes sense as well. And this this John, you know, I want to call him John Luke Picard. Um, this Patrick Stewart criticism is that these are things that are primarily caused by the trailer, um, mm-hmm. and that's. And while I get that, that's obviously a piece of marketing that sets expectations. I also don't want to hold choices made in the trailer against the film too much because I doubt Sam Raimi cut the trailer right like I you know um and so I don't know how much how much to to be mad at yeah I mean I do want to be clear I think the trailer makes it worse but also if we had gone into this movie and there was no mention of Mordo I also would have been pissed what's the point of sticking around for a post-credit scene if 
it's not going to matter. And I've always sort of felt this way, to be honest. But like, the, it's 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 good enough a lot of the time, right? Where where things from the post credits kind of pay off, maybe in the next movie, right? Like the one the one that I think about a lot is the Winter Soldier, where the post credits is you know. Um, they found him. They've got his arm in that vice, right? They've got they've got the Winter Soldier's arm in that vice, and that does pay off in Civil War, but like also not really. And so it's just like there's a lot of that that is that is under my skin uh, when it comes to how these Marvel movies are structured and the, the way that they uh, the way that they move forward compared to the previous version where it felt like there was pretty strict continuity between you know these different these different post-credit scenes, right? Um, and the fact that, you know, at the end of Thor, Loki t essentially or touches down on planet Earth, right? Like, that's okay. okay. I want I want that. I want to see more of that kind of stuff where, where one movie kind of, like, move, like, leads into the next. So, you know, I don't know. And it makes me, and the, and the worst part is it makes me, like, not interested in the thing that I want, which is, you know the po the the mid credit scene for this one is um, uh, Charlize Theron shows up. Do you know? Do you do you understand this at all? Is this one of those things I have to explain? Yeah, explain this to me, please, buddy. <laughs> okay, this is, Charlize Theron is playing Clea, right? Who is the 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 lowest lane, right? The Mira uh, to to Doctor Strange, right? It is his. You know, she was established very early on in the comics. Um, uh, at first, they're enemies, but then they eventually get together they get married at a certain point i'm pretty sure she dies though uh at like at a certain point but her whole thing is that she's the daughter of i don't think dormammu directly she's like the princess of the dark dimension right so D dormammu is in the dark dimension she is like the princess of the dark dimension and she has that mara jade kind of plot line of i was sent to kill you mira is this is also mira right i was sent to kill you but also i realized that you're a pretty good guy and we fell in love you and are whatever, pretty handsome right? and i would like to thank yes exactly um anyway she has that white hair um and she's also very powerful you know she's also a very powerful sorceress they have a they have a cool dynamic uh in the same way that i like the honestly they are a kind of one-to-one -one of the dynamic that i like for between aquaman and mira um in the sense that mira is is aggressive and a hard ass and doesn't take any bullshit um clea is also very similar because she was like kind of a villain or whatever and doctor strange is a little bit more reserved and a little bit more thoughtful that that kind of a thing um and that to me is great like this is core doctor strange shit that I want to see on screen as a Doctor Strange fan. Yes, give me the Dark Dimension. Yes, give me Clea, right? But I don't trust that that's going to be delivered on because, like, I also wanted that with Baron Mordo, right? Um, and so, Man, I don't know, that whole thing is that, that whole thing So, is so that, that actually retroactively makes it worse because they that means they very clearly, you know, wrote this whole kind of, like, get over Rachel McAdams plotline just to clear the way for Clea, right? Like, like I was like, because like the the, the clear, because it, it, it it felt weird at the end that he was that it was like you know, oh is is Doctor Strange gonna like go out with like alternate universe Rachel McAdams now and is that going to be weird? And they just kind of like it's like well I guess that can't work out by now and like this kind of happens like and that makes a lot more sense now because they have to clear the way for for this other relationship which oh that that feels that feels so much worse. I mean, I get it in a certain sense because I don't like Rachel McAdams' character. I was kind of hoping she wasn't coming back because, to be honest, like, 
she sort of, I don't know. To me, she fulfilled her narrative function in the first movie, right? Right. And you can just move past, you can just move past her, right? It's like Spider-Man has a bunch of girlfriends that are not Mary Jane Watson and Gwen Stacy, right? You know, like he dates Betsy Brandt, who is the, um, uh, who is just like a like a like a secretary at um, the Daily Bugle, right? He also goes on a couple of dates with like Liz Allen, who's like the hot popular girl at, at school or whatever. That's sort of where I felt like Christine lived. It's like okay, sure, you guys are you guys are whatever, but you're not OTP material, right? You know, you're not sticking around. You're one and done kind of thing. Um, and while I did, you know, I liked the beginning in the sense that it was neat having Doctor Strange kind of come back. And I always love those interactions where it's like the hero has to give something up, right? Like the you see that, that cost that being a superhero takes on someone's personal life, right? Where... You know, uh, he goes to he goes to her wedding, and it's clear that he wishes he could have this kind of sedate lifestyle with her. But his duties as Doctor Strange kind of like take precedence. And this is when I was fully on board with the movie, right? Because then, you know, this monster attacks, and he just goes out. And I was like, great. What core superhero shit? This is like the basic business superhero shit. Doctor Strange goes to a wedding and gets sad and then a monster attacks and he has to go be a superhero and save the day. Perfect, right? And then it just all goes off the rails because after that, he basically is like, well, let me go consult my encyclopedia of Marvel canon for this. <laughs> and we get into Wanda and just all this other stuff and it goes off the rails. Yeah, also, I, I want to say that, like, I think the theming of the movie is a little bit off because it feels like the movie wants to tell you that Doctor Strange didn't have to live himself for five years, right? Like, it's like Rachel McAdams is like, oh, you always have to be the one holding the scalpel, right? And it's like, like the implication there seems, seems to want to be like, you know, you didn't have to resolve the Infinity War the way you did, which is wrong, at least as far as all the rest well, of the No, 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 it's not wrong. It's supported by the text because we see that Doctor Strange did, in fact, resolve the Infinity War in a completely different manner in this other alternate universe, right? And it's like, I don't know. I wanted to deal with the fact that Doctor Strange did that thing where he saw 14 million outcomes, and the correct one was to give Thanos the the time gem or whatever at, at, in, in Infinity War, right? Because that was neat. That was a really cool, yeah, that was a really cool, interesting moment. And it, and it makes him a cool and interesting character that he kind of like makes that choice. And I was expecting there to be more of that because it was set up in the beginning, right? The guy, the one guy is like, was that, you know, I can't help but wondering, was there any other way? And Doctor Strange says no, right? But then you also see that the Doctor Strange is going to kill America Chavez and take her power, right? Which is a very similar sort of situation and, and you get all of these situations, you get all of this stuff around, oh, what is Doctor Strange willing to sacrifice for the greater good, right? Like, yes, he was willing to sacrifice people who died to Thanos, right, in order to, you know, it, like, because he saw the future in which they figured it out in, essentially, in Endgame, right? But you don't bring back everybody who died. Black Widow, he Doctor Strange theoretically sacrifices Black Widow, sacrifices Vision, right along these lines, and and anybody else who doesn't get you know brought back from from whatever it's called the blip. Um, but all of that is left on all of that is left on the wayside. We don't actually want to deal with that stuff. This is part of what I mean about the mat, like the thematic magic trick going on. There really is no theme here. There's no cohesive kind of deeper thought 
uh, it is just try- it is gesturing to the thought and hoping to God that you go, oh, that was so profound. It's like, no, it wasn't. It wasn't see, profound at all. See, this is this is also why I think this is partially like Sam Raimi has not watched the rest of the MCU stuff, right? Because like I feel like somebody who has like watched all this would be like, that's the wrong move to make here, right? Like you you pick up some other thing that he did, right, and you make it about that instead of like this you know, really important choice that he made, right? Um, and, like, like it's funny that you said that, you know, like, the, it felt like, you know, the producers had the reins. It felt like the producers didn't have enough of the reins to stop something like that from happening, to stop, like, from basically, like, you know, doing Wanda dirty, right? Like, that, that kind of thing. And th- that's why I Yeah, felt- I mean, the thing that I actually expected to happen, um, because he's probably the biggest Doctor Strange villain outside of Dormammu, outside of Baron Mordo, right? Is I thought that the stuff with dreams was going to come back through the villain Nightmare, right? Who is a Doctor Strange villain that sort of, it's kind of like Freddy Krueger in a way. He like traps you in an eternal nightmare and you have to, you have to like outsmart him in order to escape it and essentially wake up, right? And I thought that that's where we were going with this, um... You know, that, that Wanda was being essentially possessed by Nightmare in order to do all this other stuff because the, there's this implication of dreaming is connections to the different parts of the multiverse. You do something with that, right? Like, they obviously talk about dream walking all the fucking time. Nope, Nightmare is not in it. He doesn't factor into it at all. There is nothing. Yeah, you know? like, you, you think that maybe, like, you know, like, Crazy Strange was supposed to be? Uh, it was supposed to be like that. Yeah, well, because, yeah, I, I would have expected that because Nightmare doesn't have a form. Like, he doesn't have a, like, you can't look him up and you see a bald guy like you do with Lex Luthor. Nightmare appears to you in the guise of other people. So it would be normal for, for Nightmare to be Doctor Strange but evil, right? And he's telling Doctor Strange, ho ho, I've got you trapped, Doctor Strange, you piece of shit. I fucking hate you, right? Or to have, to take on the guise of Wanda, the Scarlet Witch, and, you know, make Doctor Strange think that the Scarlet Witch is freaking out when actually she's just not she's not involved in this at all right like this is this whole thing is kind of like a this whole thing is like kind of like a ruse or whatever um obviously none of that happened but what are you what are you gonna fucking do (laughs) yeah so so i've I've got i've got like kind of like a a a more general point that's not necessarily particular to this movie but something that i thought of while watching this movie is uh dr strange as a character has a problem that i want to liken to um so what so i've watched all of deep space nine star trek deep space nine and something i've said before i think on this podcast um, is that um, I really like the character of Odo, who's the security, mm-hmm. the chief of security on the space station, but I only like him when he's like involved in the B plots and he's just kind of being like, you know, like stern and angry and like stop with your nonsense quirk or whatever. When the plot focuses on him, he gets all kind of like, and he's very much kind of like a stoic character. The plot focuses on him. It's about like his kind of like weird emotional problems with spoilers for Deep Space Nine that I don't want to go into. Um, but essentially, he is. A, he feels like he's a much different character when he's the source of attention rather than being kind of like a side character that has, like, I guess a little bit flatter as a side character. Um, I think Doctor Strange suffers from some of this, where, like, I think Doctor Strange wants to be a little bit more reserved and a little bit more stoic. Um, and maybe a smartass, but not like, you know, uh, go, you know, like a goofball. And I feel like when you put the spotlight on him, especially in kind of like the current Marvel paradigm, Right. He has to be a little bit more silly. Like I felt I felt the um, oh, what's the term you love to use? The uh, it begins with a B. Um, bathos. Yeah. The, I felt the bathos problem in this movie pretty hard. 
Um, I also felt that kind of like the the emotional entanglement stuff. I just kind of didn't buy, right? Like I get like that he like you know had this like will they won't they relationship with Rachel McAdams' character for a very long time, but like I didn't I, I think I just kind of didn't buy it, right? Like the inspirational speech he gives at the end as like zombie Doctor Strange, like I was like, what the fuck is is this, right? Like this didn't no yeah this, oh that's the that is the other thing that I think is the big narrative failing. He doesn't do anything. He just tells her believe, and she does it right. There is no catharsis there. There's no underpinning character growth. She did not learn anything new, and the logic that he uses is dog shit logic that doesn't make sense. He basically just goes, you've been controlling it the whole time. And she goes, what about my two moms that I trapped somewhere in the multiverse and I have no idea where they are? And he goes, they brought you to this moment. And I'm sitting there like, this moment is the most traumatic, horrendous thing. She is on the precipice of doom, essentially, right? Having her power ripped from her by the most powerful being in the fucking cosmos. And you want to tell me that, like, she's actually been willing herself to this moment the whole time none of this makes sense it doesn't make sense stop trying to make it make sense there's nothing here right like it doesn't matter yeah i mean i i think there's a deeper problem here which is that the marvel cinematic universe use of doctor strange is different to like kind of fundamentally different to his character in the comics and i don't know how to reconcile that right one the one thing i complained about in the far not far from home no way home uh in the no way home review was how Doctor Strange just kind of flippantly goes along with this whole plan to rewrite, you know, to rewrite the universe. And the thing that's weird about that is it is kind of in character with him, right? Because, you know, Doctor Strange is a guy with an ego, um, and he thinks he can do everything, right? He's kind of a control freak. He thinks of himself as the most powerful guy in the universe. This is why I loved his first movie so much, right? It had a very unique and interesting theme, which was his whole thing was not about, you know, like the typical hero stuff is about like selfishness, selflessness or whatever. It, it, Doctor Strange, that, that was never a part of the equation. It was about his ego. He needed to learn to lose in order to win, right? The way that he defeats Dormammu is by dying over and over and over again. And only by, through the power of infinite failure can he actually do the thing that he wants to do, which is, which is win. Right. And he is that guy who is obsessed with, you know, like he is that guy that is, is obsessed with women, which is kind of close. You know, that, that is definitely in like comics version of Doctor Strange. Right. So that's kind of like step one on our derivation. Step two on our derivation is when we start getting into like infinity war and no way home and Thor Ragnarok where Dr. Strange is showing up as like this, this alternate, this like secondary character. Right. And infinity war is pretty good about showing that Dr. Strange is a guy who, you know, he's very lawful in, in a D and D yeah. sense, right? Like he believes in the rules and he wants to keep the, he wants to, you know, contain the, the cosmos essentially the rules of the cosmos going because if that fails right everything falls to entropy that's bad right so he is a guy who very typically in the comics kind of shows up as the dude who will say no we can't do this because it will up threat it will upset like the foundations of the universe right i can't use this spell to tell you to teleport you back in time i can't undo you know the death of this person i can't whatever else right when somebody goes to him and it's like i want to i want you to do some magic to fix the problem basically he's there to say no it would fuck with the underlying rules of the universe and i um it's my job as sorcerer supreme to hold those rules in sacrosanct well when we get into infinity war and eventually like no way home 
he's kind of become this guy who is willing, pretty willing to break those rules in order to, in order to win, which, you know, follows to a certain extent. It like, it follows from the, 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 the arc, but we have now gotten to this point where the MCU Doctor Strange and the comics Doctor Strange are just in like very, very kind of like different places. And in this movie, it really sort of hits its peak because this movie seems to suggest that Doctor Strange will become a villain in most realities, given the opportunity to, right? Whereas you know, the, and, and I know the thing that they're drawing on here, right? They are drawing on a very specific piece of, of Doctor Strange lore where he basically goes into the vault of the Sanctum Sanctorum and he breaks out a demon and sucks the demon's powers into himself because the, the Hulk has returned to the planet Earth and is absolutely devastating everything, right? And so Doctor Strange needs to use this black magic in order to defeat the Hulk, which was an amazing moment and it's a really foundational piece of his lore because for so much of Doctor Strange's history, he has resisted that temptation, right? So to see the guy actually give in was like huge it was a big deal right but the problem is in the comics that happens once and Doctor Strange suffers incredible consequences for that right this is the reason why he loses the Eye of Agamotto and is not the source of Supreme anymore right because he you know sort of fails in his charge to keep this stuff contained by in fact ingesting um you know whatever this potion was um it, it had to do with Ghost Rider it was not really a potion but you get you get what I'm saying um but now it is sort of the foundation of his character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe where he is constantly willing to break the rules and always breaking the rules in order to get, you know, in order to get the job done, which follows through in the Doctor Strange movie in this place of like, now what, uh, I, what, what, what am I latching onto? What am I sort of like following along from here, right? And my hope was that the movie was going to land on the cinematic point of actually Dr. Strange needs to take responsibility for the amount of times that he has broken the rules to get the job done, right? That, that he sort of used these utilitarian ethics in order to accomplish his, you know, in order to accomplish his goal. So now Dr. Strange is going to defeat Wanda by showing great restraint. And even though he is locked in an alternate universe with only the Darkhold to get out, he is going to refuse the temptation to use the Darkhold's power. He is not going to break the rule and he is going to outthink that problem, right? You know, and through the, you know, through this abstinence, essentially, he is going to figure out the way to get the thing, right? Like maybe in holding the dark hold and, and Christine tells him, Oh, you need to use the dark hold to go back to, you know, the prime universe and do whatever. And he goes, no. And then the dark hold turns into the book of Ashanti or something. Cause they're antithetical for one another. Right. And him having resisted its greatest corruption makes him worthy of the book of Ashanti. Something kind of along those lines. Nope. He gives in. He fucking uses the dark hold. He uses the dark hold and he corrupts himself with it. And that's the point of the movie. He corrupts himself again, which is the same thing that he's done in every other fucking movie. There is no arc. There are no themes. This doesn't matter. Right. It's just like, calm the fuck on. And it's like, I can I can respect a world in which Doctor Strange does not behave according to the rules of the comic book universe. That is okay. I am willing to go with this version of I win at all costs, Doctor Strange. Even if things are bleak, I'm willing to make the tough choices and the tough sacrifices for victory, like giving Thanos the time right or the the whatever, the time stone. Fucking fair enough. Fair enough. But <laughs> if 
I'm going to give them that credit of the, the Doctor Strange of the Cinematic Universe is a fundamentally different character than the comics. At least pretend to do something interesting or unique or real with that stuff because you aren't and you do not. And that's why it sucks. And that's why it's bad and I hate it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, to your point, though, right? Like, it's like, he uses a dark hold to do this. Like, I think, like, zombie Doctor Strange was a cool moment, right? Like, mm -hmm. a cool cinematic moment, right? But as we've been over before, he doesn't use it really to defeat Wanda. He uses it to give a dumb inspirational speech <laughs> to fucking America Chavez. That isn't even right? inspirational, right? Like, yeah, that has, that has absolutely no substance and says nothing. It doesn't make any logical sense. Ah, oh, yeah. God. I and, mean, I, I... And the cost I of his corruption is he gets a cool third eye or something that apparently is like... Yeah. Oh, God. That was also the worst part. I was hoping... I was actually also hoping that he was going to explain some loophole at the very end, right? Christina's going to be like, wait... Aren't you corrupted by the Darkhold? And he goes, no. Even though I was using dreamwalking, because I dreamwalked into a corpse, you know, or whatever, I, I, and not into an alternate universe self, or because I dreamt, I dreamt, walked to my base universe, right? The universe that I am native to, the Darkhold couldn't, you know, fuck with me or whatever. So I'm fine. I, I'm fine. It worked out. I I outsmarted the thing. Because that would be very Doctor Strange, right? To sort of use that sort of loophole. This kind of thing happens all the time in Doctor Strange comics, right? Where some magic law is created and he finds some clever loophole to that, you know, to that law to beat the thing, right? This is, like, the thing that underpins all of his stuff with Nightmare, by the way. Which is using these, like, clever loophole sort of, like, rules lawyering, essentially, things to defeat the bad guy. Uh, nope, none of that happens. Not at all. <laughs> It's just completely unrelated. Uh, this is maybe yeah. the first Marvel movie that I think fails to understand its character at like at its core. M maybe, maybe, um, we will get lucky, and that's what the setup for the third movie is, right? Like, um, because like that would like that would because like he hasn't really like felt any repercussions for like defying Wong, right? Like, they, but they do. They, they also play it like he's grown, right? Like he bows to Wong, mm -hmm. right? Like. As Sorcerer Supreme, right? Yeah, like, I also wanted that to be a thing. I was actually kind of hoping for this at the beginning because I thought it was neat. You know, Wong as Sorcerer Supreme is an interesting kind of dynamic. And something that I was expecting to see was almost sort of like a buddy cop nature, right? Where, you know, he is used to being the guy in charge, but now he finds out that, you know, whatever, Wong got promoted and he's now, subs you know, subordinate to Wong and he, and he fucking hates it. That's like, that's a pretty okay recipe for a Marvel movie. You could get me on board for that or whatever. Uh, but nope. Wong and him stay split up for almost the entire movie. Uh, yep. Yeah. Don't interact so I, that much. I don't know if you've seen, but somebody uh, photoshopped um, uh, like it, it's like, oh my god, I can't believe they did it. It's like a fake like end credit sting and it's Morbius and Wong. And I <laughs> never so desperately wanted something so obviously fake. Oh, hey, Mor Morbius is out there in the multiverse. Okay. Yeah. He could he could show up in the next Marvel movie. He could okay, show up in the next Marvel the movie as himself or at, like as like the movie one or as like this universe is Morbius. Um, <laughs> I hate it here. <laughs> I constantly am using I, I use Morbius now all the time. In like in like common parlance, like <laughs> we were, <laughs> we, so <laughs> this is unrelated, but you know, 
Blizzard announced some changes to uh, to item stuff that's going on in in season four, right? Where all of the raids are going to be at parity at the end of Shadowlands. You can get you can get gear from any of them, and they're basically giving you once you kill a certain number of bosses, you get a free token, and you can turn that token in for the piece of your choice, right? So if you are going after some piece of chase gear, right, like Jathus or a trinket or something along those lines, you kind of have this. And I was reading the WoW forum threads, and the forum threads were absolutely apeshit, right? Like people just kind of failed. To reading comprehension on a basic level they were like oh no i need to grind out 30 bosses in order to get gear this is such bullshit it's like no you're still getting gear from the bosses this is on top of that this is bad luck protection right this is nothing else and somebody and somebody made a joke that was just like blizzard kill 30 bosses and get an extra pier of a piece of gear while still getting all the gear along the way players i can't believe you're forcing me to engage with systems or whatever and people started riffing on this right riffing on this joke where it's like i can't believe you're just something completely unrelated my thing was i can't believe you're making me sit down and watch morbius the living man vampire the next marvel legend <laughs> you know what's crazy i think i might have had a better time watching morbius than this movie oh man is that true? I think like, Morbius might be better. So I don't. So I will not say that I think that Morbius is better. I will say that maybe I had a better time watching Morbius because it was like so obviously trash that I had fun from that perspective. Um, I definitely had fun watching like the same. Like I like you know as dumb as this movie was, I thought zombie zombie strange with like the ghost cloak that made absolutely no fucking sense like what the fuck like, oh, you're, yeah. like whatever like it makes no sense and there's no consequences for it i like the more i talk about this the more i think i i'm i'm right that like this next movie is clear is gonna be like you're a fucking idiot you know like we're you know like i'm gonna like eat your soul now and like wong has to save her like that's gotta be what it is right like maybe oh, i don't fucking know um I, don't, I it, do, yeah, I, you know, I guess you're right. And I, and I do like other pieces of the movie. A lot of the action scenes were neat. Though the one that everybody is going crazy for that I thought was dumb as fuck was the music one. Like, the music action scene, everyone was like, oh, this is so cool, this is so whatever. And I'm just like, this is, bo that was a boring, that was basically, like, a bad Dragon Ball Z fight. Where Goku Kamehameha's, and then the other person takes the Kamehameha and shoots it back at Goku. That's it. And then all it does was, like, played with musical beat, you know, like, musical... Yeah. So I, I thought it was a... I thought it was, like, a cool aesthetic, but they don't, like, do the work for it, right? Like, yeah. if, like, you know, if this Doctor... If this Doctor Strange was, like, a concert pianist instead of being a surgeon, right? And, you know, that's why he uses the music. That could have been cool, Right or, like, or if Doctor Strange is trying to teach America Chavez how to control her multiverse powers, and she's like, "How does magic work?" and he goes, "You know, it's a lot like music." And he explains through some metaphor that magic is like music. Maybe I would get it, but this is just like, I don't know. It was yeah, I mean, but it didn't even like like even on its own terms, right? Like there is no like legible reason why plucking the harp string should create a note that like wins the battle, right? Like that's just a thing that happens because it looked neat, right? Like yep. if, and, but like, if there had been like a reason there, right? Like I, I was thinking about this earlier when you said like, you know, like this is like, you know, this is missing some of that connective tissue. It's like, is there a Raimi cut? Is there a kind of like yell release the Raimi cut? I can't buy he enough until like this movie. Yeah, makes sense. You know, honestly, the thing with the harp also doesn't make any sense because the original thing that he pulls the music from is 
the sheet music, right? He pulls yeah. the notes off the pages, but the piano is right there. And the thing that starts it is he hits the piano and makes like a like a cacophony sound, hitting all the notes at once, right? And he falls on the floor and he goes, oh ho! And then he summons the notes off of the paper and shoots them back at the other Doctor Strange, who just conjures a, his own his own notes. And I was also thinking this was this was still when I was a little bit thinking about order versus chaos, right? I was thinking. Does this have something to do with the fact that because the 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 first doctor shoots the orange notes, which are just all jumbled up, right? He pulls them off of the the bars, right? The the measures that they are a part of, and he shoots them. Then the the second Doctor Strange per, conjures a purple measure bar of measures, and I was like, is he going to use the chaos of the music in order to defeat the order magic of? The other Doctor Strange? And, like, maybe there's something there? Nope. Nope. Definitely not. I've, this movie is a lot of those sorts of things for me, where I'm just like, are they going to do something interesting or deep? Nope. Mm -mm, nope. Not at all. We're just... This is just cool. That's all. That's it. We're yeah, moving uh, on. I, I think I think this, as, like, kind of, like, a, a thing, is the danger of magic as a plot device, especially mm -hmm. in the Marvel sense, right? Like... There is no reason for this fight to be notes. It could be fucking like, you know, like Kamehameha. There's no reason not to. We don't have any established rules for how magic works in this universe. At least not in any way that, like, they pull from, right? Like, yeah. you know, you know, some, like, you know, for all, like, you know, we spent, like, an episode, like, the back half of an episode a couple of weeks ago trashing on Harry Potter. Magic has, like, defined spells, and the things you can do are the things that the spells say you can do. And, like, some of the plot points there are clever application of things, and they're very big problems with the way Harry Potter does all of that too. But yeah, right. Like, why would anybody use any spell except for Avada Kedavra in a firefight, right? right? Or Expelliarmus, right? Which obviously also just disarms your opponent instantaneously. So it's like you're watching this wizard duel between Voldemort and Dumbledore, where you know, like Voldemort is summoning all of the water and turns it into a giant rainstorm, and he hurls the rainstorm, and then Dumbledore animates a bunch of you know, stone statues and those statues run at Voldemort and they, they blow up, you know, like all this other stuff. Why would you do that when you can just cast Avada Kedavra? Yes. And you know, yeah. that like the, the point I'm making here is that at least for all the badness that is there, it has rules that like make some sort of sense. If you at least squint at it, right? Like, you know, you have mm. to do a spell that exists. You can't just kind of like make stuff up. Why does Dr. Strange and other Dr. Strange Use the notes. There's no reason. They could they could do anything else. They could, like, fucking, like, I don't know, like, for all we know, animate, like, just magical darts, like, shoot magic missiles at each other, right? There's no legibility as to why any of the things that are happening and that are happening the way they are other than it looks cool, which is yep. not great. Um, yeah. Agree. The last thing I want to talk about a little bit is this multiverse stuff, um, which I actually thought kind of on its own was pretty fine. Um, probably one of my favorite moments in the movie was the telling of the original of the of that universe's Doctor Strange of them having killed him because he had to use the Darkhold in order to defeat Thanos. Right, like that was the way that that universe defeated Thanos, um, and the Illuminati all get together and decide to execute Doctor Strange and Black Bolt does it by whispering, I'm sorry, right? Because, like, they're friends. That was actually a legitimately affecting moment, and I liked it quite a lot, especially because the Illuminati is a really interesting kind of Marvel plot device that I have always liked and would love to see more of, right? Um, though the Illuminati in the comics is, is structured a little bit differently. Like, the Illuminati in the comics is... Um, 
Uh, it is Reed Richards, Black Bolt, and um, it's Reed Richards, Black Bolt, and Professor X. Right, those three are the same. Uh, Doctor Strange is on it, but then there's also um, uh, Iron Man, who's also on the Illuminati, and um, uh, God, who's the sixth member of the Illuminati that I'm not thinking of? Well, whatever. There's a sixth member of the Illuminati who I'm who I'm not thinking of, um, and. Hold on, I'm, I'm just looking up. Yeah, so, so just just kind of like, because I mentioned at the top of the episode, because this reminded me of it, like, it felt like a real missed opportunity to have, like, fucking Tony Stark show up in in the multiverse and have Doctor Strange be like, oh, shit, I'm so, you know, I'm so sorry, Tony, right? Like, you know, um, and, on the other, and the other part of this, too, is like, where the fuck is Paul Bettany? Like, alternate universe Scarlet Witch, who does she have these kids with? Like, it's like, he's like so conspicuously absent. Right, like, it's just, I don't know. Especially because, and the worst part is, um, especially because the, uh, the Enforcer bots are, Vision is still there, right? He ends that, he ends WandaVision with that fake version of the Vision coming, and then the other version of the Vision, like, talks him into being that version. So, theoretically, there is a Vision that is canon in the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now, but it's like, did Paul Bettany just not want to return? By the way, the sixth member that I am forgetting of the of the Illuminati is Namor, Prince Namor. Um, the Submariner? Who's, who's, the king of, who's the king of Atlantis. Um, so, you know... Yeah, the Illuminati are are interesting. They do they do cool stuff. Their their numbers also change over the years, right? Um, there's a part where uh, Captain America joins the Illuminati because the Illuminati does bad shit that is bad that they eventually reap the consequences for, right? Like the Illuminati choose to send a Hulk to another to another planet right they trick him into getting onto a rocket that is going to send him to another planet after he kills a bunch of people or whatever and then and then he comes back that kind of thing um uh they also mind they like mind wipe people i'm pretty sure they mind wipe captain america at a certain at a certain point um emma frost joins the joins the illuminati at a certain point um a couple of other characters do uh like hank pym who has also never really like you know, done. He's he's obviously a supporting character in the Ant Man stories, but like he's not as integral as his Marvel counterpart is, or whatever. Um, so I, I I like the idea that you know he's coming back, right? Or I'm sorry, that this team is coming back, and that that could be a thing going forward, right? Like we could see our own version of the Illuminati going forward. Um, and I also just generally liked the idea of Wanda ripping through you know these other Avengers and killing you know killing all these guys, um, especially just because. It is nice to see a Marvel movie that is not pulling, like, I, we've complained a lot about Marvel pulling its punches. This is not a movie where that happens. People are dying all over the place, right? And sure, they are fake multiverse people who don't actually kind of, like, matter to, like, the story. But it was very satisfying just to, like, watch Wanda, like, you know, blow a guy up or whatever. Or, like, you know, kill Patrick Stewart in his, in his doofy chair. And also, side note... I understand that the big yellow floating chair is the look that he had in the cartoon, and that's what they're going off of, but it looks so dumb in real life. It looks so dumb. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that Wanda fight suffers from the same thing I was talking about with the musical note fight, which is, like, you know, she, like, sews Black Bolt's mouth shut, and she basically, like, and she, like, fucking unwinds Reed Richards. Um, but then she, like, actually fights 
Captain Carter and Marvel. Um, Captain Marvel, like, why? <laughs> like, that, like, it, what, like, when you think about it for more than like a second, it's like, what, why is this happening? Why is fucking Captain Carter, which you know, um, you know, like, Marvel, like, you know, maybe I buy that, like, you know, she's special enough that she can't just do it. But Captain Mar or Ca Captain Carter is literally just, like, a person with a jetpack and a shield, right? And, like, the super serum, right? Like, there's no reason why, you Captain, like, she shouldn't be able to, like, do things. This is also, I think, just, like, a very disappointing thing is that, like, you know, they sell Scarlet, which is someone who could just kind of, like, manipulate reality at will. And then she mostly doesn't, right? Like, she, she mostly, like fires beams out of her hands um yep which is like what the fuck right like it's it's not good um no why is why is she like physically chasing dr strange and you know america chavez and and uh, christina through like the tunnels instead of like doing magic to do it like it's because they need a chase scene and they can't you know she can't just win but like yep give me something right like you know Throw, like, one of those armbands on her somehow, right? Like, and that, like, like suppresses her power enough that she can't just kind of, like, fuck with people. Um, or, like, you know, make it that, like, you know, this universe is Scarlet Witch. is not very Scarlet Witchy and, like, doesn't quite, like, like you know, she, you know, have her, like, shake her hands, like, when she possesses me, like, oh, I can't do things as easily in this body because this body isn't as trained for it or something. Just give me something, right? Like, to make, like, any of this make sense. Then it doesn't. And it sucks. But, you know. <sighs> yeah, so I guess big disappointment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I would, I would be interested in seeing another Sam Raimi Doctor Strange, so just because like I I enjoyed what 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 of that was there here. Um, but you know who knows. <sighs> we'll see. I'm sure there's another one coming, right? Like there there has to be. Yeah. Um whatever whatever yeah, baby, how's work? your week yeah, tell, yeah. tell me all about that i'm very like drained after the after yeah. this doctor strange review for some reason <sighs> what did i do this week i played some more elden ring i played some more magic the gathering arena which was fun um did i do anything else of particular note this week uh so this is this is a weird one but um so, in, in the spirit of multiverses, I'm going to multiverse hop to the multiverse where this is some derps talk about food um, and, uh, and talk about uh, an experience I had this weekend. So, there's this restaurant by, like, physically proximate to me. It's called Warren's Lobster House. And it is weird because, like, it is, it's, like, whole thing is, like, you know, get some lobster, but it also has this, like, giant salad bar, right? And it's, like, kind of, like, kitschy food. It's not, like, super high quality, like... I mean, it's it's decent lobster, but it's like not super like uh, super highbrow food or whatever, right? And it got sent me down this path about like how like kind of like did, did you ever go to like a Sizzler or a Ponderosa when you were a kid? Mm -hmm. I think I think most of them are dead now. I could be wrong about that, but that whole thing was like you know you you bought a steak and then like you know you got the salad bar as like one of the attractions, right? There's like these like this giant salad bar where you get like salad and like things that are like vaguely salad, but not quite salad. Right. Like, you know, there's like some meat on it or whatever. Um, and the thing that occurred to me was that this place can survive 
because the lobster's still good regardless of how like you know you know mediocre it is because it's still like decent lobster and i'm i'm underselling they, they make it they, they make a decent lobster dish but um whereas like the ponderosa or the sizzler like it was a shitty steak that they gave you and now that like people mm. have like better food literacy about like how good you can make a steak i think that like that model fail falls over a lot more i'm actually curious i wonder if there's like any scissors or ponderosas in the uh in the midwest um sizzler is an la thing i i'd never seen a sizzler until i moved to la really there was there were there was in new jersey wow really yeah there was there was oh, so do you, you are you familiar with the rockaway mall mm -hmm. there was one in the rockaway mall when we were kids um it's not there anymore um but uh huh yeah yeah interesting but that yeah, we, we went to the rock the rockaway mall a couple of times but huh yeah happiness unlimited freedom by the plateful yeah this is like it's the same type of thing um apparently there's like three left three ponderosas left <laughs> um it looks like in ohio and like indiana uh yeah man Oh, Sizzler does still exist. Have you been to a Sizzler recently? I'm curious. No, I have never been to a Sizzler. I, w I would not recommend it, um, especially since your uh, your partner is a vegetarian, right? I don't think that would be. Yeah, like, that's true. Yeah, it looks like there's none none west of like the west or the easternmost one is in New Mexico, um, except for apparently there are eleven in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely feel you though on food literacy getting on food literacy getting better. I had this thought about uh, burgers recently, right? Where I went to a place and I got a and I got a burger, and it just really struck me at how the quality of burgers it feels like has increased at sort of mid to high, you know, to high end sort of like burger chains, right? Something like uh, like a Eureka Burger. Um, is a good example of this, right? But even even like the, some of the middle fast casual stuff is also here, like a Five right? Guys, Where, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, right? I can think of a bunch of these Five Guys, Fat Burger, right? Um, the Habit. All of those have much higher quality burgers than I remember thinking about as a kid. And when I had a burger as a kid, I was I was like, it was just McDonald's. You know, like really the only burger places were like McDonald's, or you can get it at a diner, and the diner burger is probably not great. It's probably you know just whatever. Mid, yeah, um, mediocre. Yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. Um, it's interesting too, cause like there, there's a whole stuff about bur uh, uh, burger culture. Like if you if if those of you at home are curious, um, the same network that does uh, was the the fucking hot sauce interview so show. Um, Hot ones, hot ones. The same network does burger scholar burger scholar sessions, where this guy George Motes basically goes over like various regional variations on the hamburger. He's written a couple books too. I own one of them um, about kind of like fifty great, you know, like or hundred great places to get burgers in the United States or something like that. It's wow. all like local joints with like local. And he goes over all the history, and it's like it's super interesting because like that's like like that whole thing is like a thing where you can chart kind of like uh, progression in you know in the United States of kind of like. Um, it's like a fairly universal thing that instantly kind of like got its regional variations. Um, and you know, also like what it says about the area, right? Like the, the Wisconsin burger has like a pat of butter on it. Cause like, you know, it's just like all dairy all the time for fucking ever, right? Like throw as much, you know, dairy as you can. At it. Whereas like, um, you know, there's various chili burgers. Um, 
I know like or I know there's like a, like a, one of the earliest burgers are in like Connecticut. There's a couple different places where like you know like oh and they still make it the way they did 40 years ago in this like weird sideways toaster oven that like they have they have to like have specially maintained because no one does it like this anymore. That kind of stuff. So that's that's all super fascinating. But that is actually super interesting because I think about that kind of thing all all the time. Like you know I I, I obviously think about it in a, in a different sense. Um, for instance, uh, you know, today in our like work chat, we were talking about um, the 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 you know, this is a popular thing people say. The reason New York bagels and you know pizza are better is because the, the water, water is yeah. different, right? Uh, that is bullshit. I just don't think that's true because I I could there are bagel places in LA that I could go to and I would have what I would say is an authentic New York bagel, right? Like if I were to show you this bagel and another bagel from, you know, like my favorite spot in Manhattan, you would, they, they're interchangeable essentially. Right. Um, I just think that people have different expectations for bagels in different parts of the country. Right. Not everybody wants a bagel in the exact same way. Right. Because, you know, like, I think this is more true for pizza than it is for bagels, but I, I think I agree. With yeah. You. It's definitely true for pizza. Like I know people, Oh man, I had a whole conversation with a friend of mine who is not from either New York or LA, right? But it's from a completely different set of, part of the country who I was l lamenting puffy pizza, right? One of the core things I think is bad about bad pizza is when it's puffy, right? You have a big, thick, puffy crust. You have big, puffy cheese, right? And he was like, I'm really sorry. I bet that those peas are really going to go hard on the, uh, on the, on the recording. Um, and he was talking about how like, what what like what's the alternative i was like thin crust right like th i want i want pizza to be thin and i want to fold it and he was like i hate that i think that's gross and i was just like oh god i can't believe you're doing this to me but it's also true because like you know when i was working at square enix when i ordered pizza nobody liked it um but when other people ordered pizza they got it from a different spot and it was a very puffy pizza spot and everybody in the in the room loved it and i just like Oh, it's a small thing, really small, but it really got on my nerves. It's not, it's, it's not a small thing. If you check out our alternate universe podcast, you will know. That's true. Like, yeah, in the alternate universe, as some terms talk about food podcasts, uh, we do go into the details. Uh, we go into the details yeah. of it. No, but like to, to, like, to that point, I think some of it's expectation. I think also think some of it's like, just kind of like economies of scale, right? Like the biggest difference with bagels is that I think that most bagels that like you or I would be like, is there something wrong with this? I think they just don't boil them. Um, and that requires like having a giant vat of water with like lye in yep. it literally to boil it. And most like, mm -hmm. you know, like fucking Einstein's just like, you know, bakes their like dough circles. Right. Um, yeah. And, that's yeah. and, and like, and, and that's even the weird part. I go to bat for Einstein's, but like I go to bat for Einstein's in a, in a different way. Right. Like if you get an Einstein's bagel and you just put a bunch of cream cheese on it, it's fine. But, like, that is just, like, that is, like, it's kind of the tomato casserole thing, right? It's just, it's a different experience yeah. in, in, a, in a lot of ways, right? Um, yeah. No, and, so, and, and yeah. I, I have, I have, I think I have better tolerance than you of, like, regional variations of pizza, right? Like, I, like, I, like, I don't, yeah. I don't like the kind of, like, mass market, like, Papa John's type pizzas. I think they're all kind of, like, eh. But, like, a, like... Uh, like a regional style, like pan pizza, I think I get, I can get behind. Like, so I've made those two, right? Like, it's instead of like the cast iron deep dish, like a cast iron kind of like very puffy crust with a bunch of cheese on it, right? Like, that's yep. a delight in a different way than I would be getting from a New York style pizza. But you know, 
Yeah. But what have you been up to? What's your week been? Hopefully more games. The big thing that I've been doing me. this week is Overwatch, Ooh. actually, is I've been playing Overwatch. To be clear, not the Overwatch 2 beta, though I do have Overwatch 2 beta access, and I am excited to like get in the game and start um, and start actually playing. But what ended up happening was, um, you know, they were doing Twitch, Twitch drops for Overwatch, and so, um, you know, if you just watched a streamer play a bunch of overwatch you would get use like four hours of overwatch or something you would get a an overwatch 2 beta key and a, a bazillion people did it right like there were it was maybe one of the highest days i think i've ever seen of any game on twitch it was like 1.5 million people watching overwatch on on uh on twitch or whatever um but uh some friends of mine didn't do that process and we were like well we're gonna play together but not everybody has overwatch 2 access so we just started playing overwatch 1 and i was really surprised at how good a time i had to be honest i kind of expected it to go a little bit like league of legends um because the thing that i really want out of overwatch 2 the thing that i'm really excited about for overwatch 2 is the pve missions right because like you know pve shooters are something that i have a lot of fun in you know we talked about killing floor we've talked about payday a million times um overwatch 2 uh, but like obviously Overwatch One doesn't have that at the moment, right? It is all just it is all just the multiplayer. But I was just assuming, you know, like me and five guys, you know, we're we're all just gonna like fuck around, uh, and and sort of do our best and and see what happens. And I was really surprised how much how fun I had, how much fun I had, um, which is maybe a result of the matchmaking. Uh, something that has happened to me in previous games that are like this is I play a lot of it. And then I come back and I am faced against very difficult, tough opponents who are much better than me and kick my ass hard, right? Um, this happened in League of Legends. This happened in um, uh, this happens in Hearthstone. Anytime I take a break from Hearthstone, I come back to Hearthstone. Uh, I, I, like, immediately have to trudge through, right, and just, like, lose a million games because my MMR is super high from when I was last playing and I was really good and all this other sort of stuff. With Overwatch, we were pretty much going, you know, one and one over the course of the the whole night which does make sense because my understanding is that overwatch does have a very complicated uh matchmaking algorithm right like it's matchmaking is some of the most advanced in games this is by the way famously i, I reference this quote all the time where jeff kaplan says players don't want a 50 50 win rate right they want to win tough games right um this the the genesis of that quote comes from an article that was talking about the very complex nature of the overwatch uh matchmaking system but i guess it's just accommodated for the fact that i had not played the game in four years very well um and it just, the game itself feels incredibly different because, you know, when we were playing, when we were playing Overwatch originally, there were no, uh, role assignments. You know, now there's, there's two, 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 it's two damage, two support, two tanks. Um, I think before we used to do like one tank, maybe one support and five and four damage, right? Maybe five damage. Everybody wanted to play the, the damage heroes. There were also offense and defense heroes, right? So like Bastion and Torbjorn were defense heroes, but McCree or whatever were like offense heroes. All that stuff is all that stuff is gone. Um and a bunch of characters have had, you know, like minor level reworks to make them better. Symmetra is is probably the best example of this. Um but the main thing that I that I felt coming back to Overwatch is that the number of characters having gone up over the past five years, or whatever the number is, maybe six years, um, has made the game much, much, much better. Uh, because where originally, you know, if you wanted to tank, you had one of four choices. It was Winston, D.Va, Reinhardt, and Zarya, right? Those were, those were your only choices. Now you actually have 
Oh, and I guess also Roadhog, so five choices, right? Now you actually have more more ability to kind of create specialized compositions and synergies with other members of your team because the additional, you know, like the additional people uh, fill out those those niches and roles a little bit better, right? So for the thing that I learned about was what, what we call a dive comp, um, which is using wrecking ball, you know, the, the hamster in a ball that rolls around or whatever, um, and using Winston to just, like, really get in the opponent's face, right? And you also use Doomfist in that. Um, somebody was playing Tracer. I was playing Brigitte. Um, and somebody was playing somebody else who I don't remember, right? And it's just, like, half of those characters are characters that didn't exist, right? If you wanted to do a dive comp in Overwatch on launch, you basically just, I guess you just ran Winston and that was it? You, you didn't really have any other sort of you didn't really have any other sort of like options maybe diva um yeah yeah maybe maybe go like winston diva but like who do you bring for damage like tracer you know tracer genji uh, maybe reaper maybe yeah and it's just like the, i i feel like i have so much more uh sort of like power to choose and do stuff now than i did then and also the the various like balance tweaks that have that have kind of around have made things that i feel like were degenerate kind of go away right like um you know i i, I remember this change going through at the time but like there was the the mccree you know uh, grenade into five shot, you know, combo that just like basically one shot anybody. That's basically gone now, right? You know, he can execute that, but he can only really execute that against tanks, and tanks can kind of suck it up, right? Um, the supports are a little bit better and a little bit more consistent at like giving out, uh, at like giving out healing. Um, and you also have sort of more options for for how if you're playing a support or if you're playing a tank you know what kinds of characters that you're choosing for that like so for instance we were having a bunch of trouble with a an enemy pharah right and i was on support and i had the ability to swap to baptiste which was really useful because baptiste has an assault rifle that also shoots healing grenades um and being able to swap to a support that had this hit scan weapon that did you know pretty good damage uh was really useful right and that was just something that i was not used to so it just feels like the game is very very different compared to what it once was uh and no no i'm having a, I'm having a good time <laughs> yeah no it makes it makes sense um i am not particularly interested in going back to to overwatch but i i, I get all of that right like, i definitely follow what you're saying because even before we left right like um, Mercy went through like, like it, several iterations because like she was like the healer, like she was like the only healer to bring just because like the the mass res was was such like a, a game changer. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, yep. That sounds that's, that sounds like a ton of fun. I'm glad you're uh, you're diving back into that. Uh, yeah, you have to report back from the front lines when Overwatch two when you put some time in the overwatch 2 beta because uh yeah i mean my hope is that overwatch 2 I, I i have no idea when that when that shit's coming out my hope is that it comes out in some reasonable time frame uh and uh and i we can sort of see some of the bigger effects of that like one of the things that i thought was neat about the overwatch 2 beta is that really all of the crowd control has been pulled off of dps and support and it is very focused on tanks right so you know um there's less of these situations where you kind of get locked down by an individual character who has a really powerful piece of cc um and instead it is much more about sort of like damage and you know your, your ability to like like 
bob and weave around damage and the master of cc is the tank because right now the thing is is that nobody ever wants to play tank apparently you know in, in overwatch one like i kept doing the flex roll thing where you, i was just flexing and almost every time i got tank maybe one out of ten times i got support and i never got damage obviously everybody always wants to play damage um but in overwatch 2 you know like you can't really play mccree and have a stun right or you can't play you know I don't know. What's another example of this? There's only one tank uh, in Overwatch 2 now, too. Wait, what? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah There's only one tank. Which is also nice because the tank is bigger and more powerful and also has a couple of changes. Well, like, one of the interesting things that they did in Overwatch 2 was they changed it so that, like, there are roll passives. So tanks, for instance, grant less alt charge when you put damage on them, right? So this is the thing that always killed Roadhog, everybody said, right, was he's just an ultimate sponge. If you just DPS Roadhog, yeah, sure, he can survive that damage, but they're just going to charge up their alts on your Roadhog. And I think they eventually gave him a passive that said that, like, people get a decreased thing. That's true for all of the tanks now, right? Like putting damage into Reinhardt um, or Winston or whoever else isn't going to, you know, isn't going to increase your your ultimate charge. But I think having that sort of like all of the CC be sitting on the tanks is a really interesting, uh, smart way to sort of design the game. And there are, and like, and like, especially having DPS, but DPS that have interrupts more than anything else, right? So if you see a McCree ulting as a Pharah, I can use my knockback grenade to interrupt that but i can't use it to like you know lock an opponent down something something kind of along those lines makes sense makes sense all right uh all right anything else you've been you've been doing with your week that you want to talk about i don't know i've been watching better call Saul, and i want to fucking talk about it because uh, well sorry I... first three the first three episodes are so good the the third episode has a speech in it that rivals chicanery Right, which is the, you know the speech the that, machine gun that with Charles the gives, yeah, 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 where he ta- yeah exactly where he talks about oh no no, no. well chimps with machine guns uh, is the first season right, but in the third season you know Charles goes on this whole thing while he's on the stand talking about like oh you think you know like this chicanery or whatever um, the this I won't spoil anything about season three but the speech in season three is so good that I was. I was floored by it. I could not believe my ears watching this thing happen. And it was just, oh, oh, honestly, I'm, I'm really sad that I can't experience it again. Right? Like it is the kind of thing. It's so good. It's the kind of thing that good television does, right? Where it sets up this stuff years and years in advance and then it just all pays off in this huge deluge of whatever down the line oh god television like this what a picture right all right i'll I'll try and catch up with that soon you know no problem just in case you were wondering better call Saul still is the best television show on on tv it is so good yeah Yeah. well that's that's great you know i i I haven't. I have just like not had a ton of time to, to to put into television. I've been uh, I've been busy with other things. Like my 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 parents visited this weekend, so I spent a lot of time watching baseball with my dad, which I don't particularly care about. But like you know, it was a thing mm-hmm. to do. Or watching um, a YouTube channel on woodworking, um, which is I don't do a lot of woodworking myself. My dad's kind of into it. The channel is called Stumpy Nubs. It's a dude who just like talks about woodworking tools. 
It's fun for what it is, but you know. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. So I actually I have a question for you. Have you seen the Kenobi trailer? No. Uh okay, never mind then. I have also I have Do you want to talk about the Avatar seen... trailer? Oh, I do. Can I talk about the Avatar trailer? I I didn't even think about this. The Avatar trailer, I first of all, I loved the Avatar trailer. Um in the uh in the beginning of the Marvel in the beginning of Doctor Strange. Though I think the reason honestly I like that trailer is very stupid and dumb and kind of doesn't make like I don't it does not inspire confidence that the movie is good, but it is just it was a breath of fresh air in the in the world of trailers that I was watching. Because I watched what what were the trailers in front of us? It was Thor Rag no, Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah. Lightyear. What was the one that came before that? Maybe it was just those two. And both of those trailers had the exact same format, right? Where it was like, it was all of these like bombs and, you know, like all of the things that you expect in a trailer. The music cuts out in the middle so that they can play a joke from the middle of the movie. Snappy, snappy dialogue, quickie, quick, quick line. Then it all rushes to a crescendo. The, the, the title card plays. And then there's another quip, 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 quippy, quippy joke, quip, joke, joke, joke. Right. Along with all of this voiceover and text about, you know, the fate of the universe and saving the world and the explanation for, for the plot, the dialogue or whatever. And then imagine the fucking Avatar trailer comes on little plinky, plinky plonk piano, just soaring vignettes over Pandora, just watching people fly around, do stuff. You know, very, very light, chill music. No voiceover. No voiceover at all. Not even a fucking word of dialogue until, like, the very end of the trailer where the guy says one line. He says, our family is our fortress. That's it. That's all they did. And I was just like, thank you. Give them the Oscar. Like, I just, I had such a great time. Because when do I ever watch a fucking trailer like that? That is just about this, like, wonder and awe and, like, mood and atmosphere. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, like, very burned out by, by the... By the current formula. Yeah, the current... Yeah, exactly. The current formula of trailer. I mean, it's funny because I watched an old trailer. I kind of forgot how trailers were different. Do you remember a movie starring Steve Martin and Queen Latifah called Bringing Down the House? Vaguely. Does this also have, like, Eugene Levy in it? Yep. Yes, it does. Yeah. Where Eugene Levy makes a lot of weird come on or whatever and i was like i i saw this movie i saw this movie on hulu and i watched maybe the first 10 minutes of it just because i was like why do i recognize this movie and i realized i recognized it because i watched the trailer a million times and i went and i watched that trailer and it is so different right because the trailer has the trailer guy voice right where the trailer guy goes you know he's a he's an uptight lawyer and you know she's a a big boisterous black lady and they're gonna she's gonna say stuff that's whatever he's gonna go i'm I'm so struck up you can't come into a fancy restaurant and say yo like you know what i mean like (laughs) that that was basically that and i realized i was like my cultural footprint of this is i must have just watched the trailer on tv a zillion fucking times i don't think i ever actually watched the movie and i you know i did not in fact watch the movie i didn't really have a lot of interest in watching the movie um but just watching that trailer was is so different compared to like the trailers that we get now, uh, which very rarely have like the trailer guy voice. 
Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if like Cinema Sins. I think it's the same network. Like the like or oh, Honest Trailers. Yeah, I wonder if Honest Trailers killed that. They were like, oh well. I wonder. Uh, yeah, I mean the weird thing is Honest Trailers don't satirize a thing that happens anymore, right? Yeah. Like this, the 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 art of making trailers has moved beyond trailer guy voice. But that's the whole gimmick of Honest Trailer. Yeah, right. right? That guy has that one voice in a world. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's 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 a interesting thought. But that's, that's an interesting thing to mention too, because like, so I'm not gonna lie. My thought when watching it was, you know, you know, how a couple of weeks ago when we did the the Batman, it was like, you know, it is it is you know 2008. And there's a dark and gritty Batman movie. It is 2022. And it's like, yeah. it's 2008 and James Cameron is releasing an Avatar movie. It is 2022 and James Cameron is like, that was like my immediate thought. It's like, Jesus Christ, right? Like this is, you know, because it's been 14 fucking years since that first one or 13 maybe. Um, uh, but uh, uh, to your point though, the, the thing that, that makes sense to me is like something, something that I had thought I have thought while watching these is there aren't movies that as many movies that feel epic anymore. And like, if I got some of that from Dune and like, even though I don't think it's a particularly good movie, I got some of that from, um, the cloud Atlas. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, and I, and, and we, I also got that from like fucking like speed racer of all fucking things. Um, but, uh, I think that, um, uh, I, I think that that's like interesting to hear. Cause like that, or I, I agree with your, because I agree with your assessment because I think that this could be like a movie in that epic style, which regardless of the movie's quality, like as I pointed out, there are movies that I didn't think were particularly good that, that had that feeling to it. It's something I've kind of been missing. Like they kind of like, you know, this is going to be grand and going to be like an experience. Whereas like the movies that kind of like fill that slot now are the Marvel movies and they're all very jokey, right? And so they, they, they kind of mm-hmm. undercut that, that, that feeling, right? Yeah. No, I get that. It's, um, you know, Patrick Willems has a term for this called the Gonzo movies. This is a little bit different, I guess. But I definitely do feel that. Especially because, you know, like, I've watched a couple of movies recently, and I was just like, man, dude, we fucking never get movies like this anymore. This happened with me with Gladiator. Um, I went and I watched Gladiator. And, for, first of all, Gladiator is a great movie. But it's just like, you just don't get, you, like, you just don't get movies like that anymore, right? Because everything has kind of been... Um, you know, Joss Whedon, if I'd, I, maybe I would guess, right? I mean, maybe, maybe that's not true. Maybe we do get it, but just nobody goes to fucking see him. The Last Duel is that, right? It's a historical epic directed by Ridley Scott, right? Starring big, huge, uh, uh, big, huge yeah, actors. But it didn't, um, but it didn't hit like that, right? Like, that felt yeah. like a very human, like, it didn't feel like an epic story, right? Like, it, like the movie is supposed to be a very personalized story of, like, you know, the trauma that this woman went through, right? Yeah. Which is not like, you know, it, it's not to say anything against the movie. Oh, actually, okay. I have a great movie for this. Have you ever watched – have I ever talked about Midway? Have you ever watched Midway? Uh, No, but that, that makes sense because I, I feel like it would apply to, like – um, what was that? Well, the other movie where they were flying planes in World War II it was – um. Dunkirk? Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah, I watched I watched a couple of these World War II movies. Um and all of them had that feeling, right? Like it was Dunkirk, it was uh Midway. Um the other one that I really loved was Greyhound, right? But Greyhound was, you know, I mean there's a bunch of these. Fury, which I also famously really loved. Fury was the movie about um the, the tank crew. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, at the, at, the, at the other end of the Battle of the Bulge. And it's just like those movies definitely like give me that feeling. I just got like where are these 
I don't know. So, so many movies are racing to to put the bathos in there that it it feels like you can't ever have an epic Marvel movie as long as Marvel is undercutting, you know, their their movies with this jokey joke stuff. Even something like The Eternals, which is probably the closest they've ever really gotten, um, falls short for that reason. Yeah, I mean, also it was not great. I mean, like I said, you can get you can get movies that are bad that still evoke that feeling. It was, it's interesting because, yeah. like, I've, I've, I was, I've been a big fan of Everything Everywhere All at Once, um, mm-hmm. and it approached some of that, but, like, it, its tone is also very much jokey on purpose, right? Like, and I, I think it does yeah. it well, but, like, it doesn't hit that note just because, like, part of the tone it's going for is, is jokey, jokey. Yeah, I feel like A24 might be a place to find some of that stuff, right? I also feel like a lot of the, the, the niche for that kind of attitude has gone to horror movies, which have a different feel all their own, right? Because like, when I think about, like, movies that give me that feeling, like, the things that I start to get the, I get pulled to is, like, oh, like, the movie that I feel like slots into this kind of is in, in the current site is maybe Men, but, like, that's a horror movie and has a different feeling. Um, like, because you, yeah. you don't feel epic, you feel you, you feel scared, right? Like, that's the, that's the feeling it's supposed to... Yeah, I think, I think you're right, though. Dune is probably the best one that I can think of in modern times. Dune definitely gave me that. And I and to be fair, that's a lot of what I liked about Dune, right? You know, um, was that scale and playing the whole movie just dead fucking straight. <laughs> have you have you seen Dune Spice Wars? By the way, no. The the, the, oh, the strategy game? game, the Dune strategy game is out, um, and uh, and I am reasonably informed that it is fun. People 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 like it. Is it an RTS? It is uh, actually. It might not be an RTS. It might be turn based, but okay. I don't know. I know that you can choose the. There are four, you know, houses. There's the Fremen. There's Lado. The, not Lado. It's yeah, Atreides. It'd be Atreides. Atreides. Harkonnen. What's the bad guy's name? Harkonnen. Harkonnen. God, what is the fourth? What's the fourth faction? There is a fourth faction. Maybe the what? What are the the emperor's guys called? Like the Sar, oh, Sar uh, Sardaukar, either the Sardaukar, or maybe like the Bene Gesserit would make sense. Um, <sighs> what factions can I play as? Because I'm 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 like already so like I'm so far down the Dune lore rabbit hole. It's like oh the Betty Claylax. It's like no, it's not gonna be them. Um, huh? It doesn't actually. I like I see the four factions here, but it doesn't actually. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Play is one of several factions, including House Atreides, House Harkonnen, the Smugglers are the fourth faction. The fucking Smugglers? Um, and compete for power over Dune. Um, See, this, is, this so. is funny. Like, the last, like, a lot of these things to try and do, like, multi-faction Dune games end up um, end up inventing a fourth faction. Like, the Smugglers are, like, a force, but, like, they're not, like, enough that you'd call them the Smugglers, right? Um, uh so I it, like I think I think it's like an old board game that came out, um, like invented like a fourth faction that like was like not canon in any way, shape, or form. Um, okay, but that's like an interesting thing because you, you like you think that they like bring like like usually you have to go like six before you're like oh we can't use the Benny Gesserit anymore or anything. Um, yeah, so the four characters are Leto Atreides, Vladimir Harkonnen, Esmar Tuek. Do you know who that is? Um, that sounds, is, is that like the, the lead Fremen from the, uh, how do you spell it? And then there's, uh, E-S-M-A-R-T-U-E-K. Oh, he's the, yeah, okay. 
Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, and then there is Liet Kynes. Oh, Liet Kynes is um, is the black lady. Um, okay. Notable because he, it was not a black lady in the books. Um, um, or, you know, uh, it was it was actually very specifically like a an em- like an emperor's biologist who had gone native, right? Like in, in like this weird kind of like like. I mean, the, the whole, like, plot of, like, the original Dune novels is, like, you know, Warfoil and, like, you know, like, a this, this member of the Emperor, which was, like, vaguely British-ish feeling character that had, you know, gone native and, like, started to uh, empathize with the Fremen, so. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's the whole thing. I don't know. Well, I, I will probably pick up this game. I It is on my it is on my radar as something to do, and, uh, and I've kind of got at this point in Battletech, um where I maybe want to um, I maybe want to I want to quit my quit my run and start playing something differently um, and so on while we, while we're in the Stellaris overlord waiting room uh, I might pick up dune spice wars yeah I'm, I'm getting to the point in Elden ring where like I'm like <gasps> starting to itch for um uh, to, to be able to watch like Vatividia lore videos. So I want to finish it out okay. so I can start watching them. But what what what, did, what was that face about? Stellaris uh, Overlord releases this week. Oh, Overlord okay. releases May twelfth. I did not know that they announced the release date. Uh, well, hooray! So hooray, hooray! I'm big happy about uh, that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, Where yeah. the fuck did they? Why would they not announce the release date? <laughs> I just went to the site to see if the if they had put a release date. The same thing happened to me with Total War Warhammer Three. Um, that's so. so that, that sounds like maybe like if they don't think it's gonna be good. Maybe not. They, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but you know, uh, yeah, we've gone we've gone way over at this point. So we have definitely gone way over at this point. Yep. So yeah, if you'd like to email us, tell us about, about the thing, anything you thought of. Blah. Well, you thought about anything we talked about on this podcast? You can email us at nerdsplaygames at gmail.com or podcast at nerdsplaygames.com. Follow us on Twitter, TV, such nerdsplaygames. These go out live. You can um, watch these on YouTube. Uh, we are also wherever you can find podcasts. The official stream is SoundCloud, um, but like you distribute to all the the providers. Uh, rate and review us, all that good stuff. Um, but if you have, you have anything you're looking to promote, uh, I have nothing. That I'm looking to promote. Yeah, I have nothing that I'm looking to promote. Well, in that case, uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>